It's not one size fits all with COVID and the vaccines. COVID vaccines are proving to be highly effective against the virus, but there is no such thing as a no risk situation. So how do you keep your and your family's risk low? We turn to the experts to find out. This is the Health Nexus podcast powered by Jefferson Health. I'm Gianna DiMedio, and today we're connecting with Dr. Mark Fusa, an infectious disease physician, and Dr. Karen Dong, a family medicine physician, to find out how you can assess your own personal risk and what precautions you can take to stay safe. Later in the episode, we'll give a list of activities and our physicians will tell you about the level of risk associated to help you make an informed decision. And Dr. Vanessa Carlo, a pediatrician, will talk about the outlook of vaccinations for children and teens. First, Dr. Fusa and Dr. Dong. I'm, I'm glad we're doing this podcast because actually a lot has changed in the, in the past month or so in regards to vaccinations vaccines and guidance regarding mask usage that's come out from the CDC. Right. It Um, seems to change almost daily some weeks. It does. It kind of is a little bit head spinning, but it's it's all in general a really good sign. So I think at this point with over half the country vaccinated, it's really a very different world between vaccinated and unvaccinated people. Vaccinated people can do most things. The risk now really is to people who are unvaccinated. And with that, we want to make sure that our patients and the people in our region are making informed decisions and that they are making the best decision for themselves. So can you explain the difference between low risk and situationally low risk? You know, why can't we put out a blanket statement that something is just, quote, low risk? Vaccines make a lot of activities low risk. One of the issues, though, is that for certain populations, the vaccines don't work as well. So, for instance, for patients who have had transplants and are on immune suppressive medications, there is some concern. So it's a population that caution probably is the prudent way to go. Right. Also, within family unit, there's often a discrepancy, particularly if you have kids, right? So a lot of times you'll have a parents fully vaccinated, but children, because of age restrictions or limitations, may not, or other reasons uh, for, you know, concern about the vaccine. So you may have a group of people where some are vaccinated and some are not. And so in those settings, I think it's important to understand that caution is still going to be warranted because COVID is not gone. If there are some members of the family that are not vaccinated, it seems like they should probably heed to that risk level, correct? And not basing everything on the people that are vaccinated. Right. I think that, I think it's really fair as parents or adults and, and a group, you know, that often means that you're going to have to accommodate the people who are most at risk, people who are not vaccinated. I think thinking about the personal risk level is still important, particularly if you're unvaccinated. I've heard many people, especially those who are older, who have decided not to get a vaccine about the fact that they're still staying inside significantly and avoiding a lot of activities, which must be very difficult, but I think is probably still wise at this point. That's true. Ultimately, I think it does fall upon your own personal decision about your tolerance for risk. Because COVID is still around and is still contagious, particularly patients who are unvaccinated, I really have to take that still into consideration, performing activities. So it seems like it's not really just a two plus two type of equation. It's more like two X plus two Y, maybe divided by three fourths. You have a lot that you need to 
consider before you get that final solution. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's it's different for different people. But once you have it figured out, I think hopefully it makes sense for people. Some of my patients are on the fence now because they haven't gotten it up to this point and they do see that things are much better, which is absolutely true. We are at the point that we're below the levels of the first surge from last spring. They're asking themselves, should I get a vaccine? The simple answer, the practical answer is that the vaccine allows you to do a lot of things. I would say beyond all the health benefits, which I think there are serious health benefits, the vaccine makes coronavirus less of a big thing that you have to think about for every single activity you do. Mm -hmm. And you kind of touched on it, but I think it's important to note again that the vaccine is here and it is protecting the community, but it is not eradicating COVID completely. And have you seen cases of people who are vaccinated still contracting the virus? You know, I think I have on occasion seen patients who have been vaccinated, who you would think would be fully protected. I've seen a few who have come into the hospital, say, and have been sick with COVID. It's uncommon, but I've seen it on occasion here in the in the hospitals. Okay. And this is kind of a, a side note, but we talked about this being an incredibly once-in-a-lifetime type of thing that we're even talking about this right now, being in a pandemic, my goodness. But this is your life's work, being around infectious disease and treating those affected by it. What was it like for you to see how rapidly a vaccine became available for this? Oh, it's amazing. It really is. I mean, it is a wonder of of modern science that this could be done. It just kind of underscores the uh, tremendous dedication of scientists. I received the Moderna vaccine three days after it was approved for use through the hospital. And I remember I was choked up. I had a lump in my throat, almost had tears in my eyes after I received the vaccine. It was such an amazing feeling to know that I had been given really a, a, a gift that would help protect me and keep me from getting sick. It's an amazing experience. We'll now continue with Dr. Fusa, who will give us the lowdown on risks associated with summertime activities, from dining al fresco to going to the pool to traveling. Dr. Fusa, now in looking at our summertime activities as restrictions loosen, what is the risk associated with outdoor exercise? Outdoor exercise is one of the safest uh, forms of activity you can do in this era of COVID. You could do that really maskless whether or not you're vaccinated. What about going to church or places of worship? Yeah, I think that's similar. It's uh, typically gonna be in an indoors. And if you're vaccinated, that should be able to be done safely, no problem. But if you are unvaccinated, I think it's, you don't know those people around you. You don't know if they're all vaccinated and there may be a small element of risk and it's your own calculation as to what level of risk you're willing to take. If you have a level of discomfort with that, wearing a mask might be the way to go. Is hanging out with friends and family indoor safe? If everyone's vaccinated, you will often know this of your small group of friends, then it should be able to be undertaken with no no real concerns about acquiring COVID. If there are members that come into the pod that you don't know their vaccine status, though, you know, maybe prudent to, especially if you're not vaccinated, to, to mask up and keep six feet away. What about dining at restaurants? If you're outdoors, it's, it is a safer activity because, you know, Air kind of blows COVID away, that's how I kind of view it. But if you're indoors, you know, obviously you can't eat with a mask on. And if you are vaccinated, you are 
fairly well protected. You know, you're very unlikely to acquire or catch COVID that way. But if you're unvaccinated, then it's going to be a personal decision whether you want to be engaging in that activity. What would you say about sending kids to day camp or sleepaway camp? That's a really tricky uh, scenario because a lot of times kids are going to be unvaccinated. There is, you know, some risk and it's going to be a real personal decision whether or not you're comfortable putting your kids in what may be a slightly elevated risk scenario. Fortunately, children don't seem to get very ill with COVID in general compared to adults, but nevertheless, some kids have gotten sick. Questions about Uber and Lyft rides are coming up more often. Do I ride share? Do I use these services at all? Are you lowering your risk by wearing a mask and uh, keeping the window open? Is that recommended? Yeah, that would be a common sense intervention to kind of keep you safe. Again, air and circulation, ventilation has really been a, a key cornerstone to infection prevention with COVID. Now onto a means of travel where you can't necessarily open the window. What about traveling by plane? Travel by plane seems like it's been a pretty safe way to go. I think they've been doing a pretty good job. I'm not aware of large clusters of cases of persons getting off of a plane and acquiring COVID. It seems like it's been gone pretty well on air travel. Next, Dr. Carlo will take us on a deeper dive into the information surrounding COVID and children, mask wearing, the vaccines, and more. I think even though a lot of cities and counties and states are starting to eliminate mask mandates, I think there's no reason that says that you can't wear a mask when you're out with your kids. So especially when you're out with a kid that is unvaccinated, I, out of support for them and out of respect to protect them. I think it's amazing to keep wearing masks. So and I would happy. recommend that ch- children definitely do keep wearing masks at this time if they're unvaccinated. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Uh, except if they're outdoors. I think if you're outdoors right. doing outdoor activities, I think it's perfectly safe for kids to be um, unmasked at this point, especially if they're in a group of kids where they know them well, they, you know, they know that it's a family where they have been staying pretty safe. If we went to a baseball game, for example, with huge crowds of people, even though it's technically outside, I think I would keep not only my eight-year-old, my whole family masked. Um, I still think that we should definitely be looking at what is really necessary and something that is good for our mental health. And we need to do this. Like, if we want to go on a vacation, great. I think there's a lot of ways to make that safe. But then, you know, what risks do you take? Is it better to just go to a beach where you're at least outdoors versus mm-hmm. going to crowded amusement parks mm-hmm. <laughs> or right. situations like that where you're definitely going to be at a higher risk? And what is your professional recommendation about children getting the vaccine when it is available in their age group? What are some of the concerns that you're hearing from the parents and how do you address that with them? Yeah, I definitely highly recommend the vaccine to all my patients. Everybody who has asked me, I have told them that, yes, absolutely, 100%. They should receive it as soon as it's a a possibility for them or now if if they're over 12. Parents, I think, definitely have the same concerns that we've heard from a lot of adults, that the vaccine was developed very quickly and that we don't know the possible side effects, not only short-term, but long-term effects of it. And so we've had to have a lot of talks with our patients, letting them know that it is true that it was developed faster than we normally see other vaccines, but they were using a lot of knowledge and research that was already available. And because the situation was so dire, everything was sped up, but not in an unsafe way. We haven't seen anything significant in terms of side effects other than the short-term, you know, arm pain and just feeling a little run down. 
So I've, I've told all my patients the vaccine is super safe. I had, I've had several patients with a history of asthma that worry that the vaccine would somehow trigger their mm-hmm. asthma or make things worse for them. But there really has been no evidence at all that this is the situation. As kids with asthma, they have a little bit more of a higher resp- uh, respiratory issues. So it's more of a reason to vaccinate instead of avoid the vaccine. So the vaccine, we hope, may be available around September for kids 6 to 11. That's the current expectation. And until then, we hope to keep vaccinating the 12 and up. Right. I think parents should definitely, if they haven't already, start thinking, you know, strongly about the vaccine, knowing that it's going to be available for the younger kids in the next few months and taking the summer to hopefully ask a lot of questions. If they have doubts, this is the time to reach out to their pediatrician, have conversations about it. If they're coming in just for their well visits, which are super important and are still required for school, it's safe to go into the pediatrician's office and have their checkups, get other vaccines. And even though they can't get the COVID vaccine right now, use that time with the pediatrician to answer their concerns, ask the questions so that by the time September comes along, hopefully for the 6 to 11 crew, they will be a lot more comfortable with getting the vaccine. Right. I think that's really great. Absolutely. For the 12 to 16 year old group, that is kind of a newer availability since May. Don't wait to just get it at the pediatrician's office because a lot of pediatrician's offices may not be able to get it. But yet there's so many places in the community that are so easy to get an appointment at right now. It's not the, the difficult process it was for adults early on where you can find a vaccine appointment. Mm-hmm. Now it, there's so many available. So, okay. you know, that's, a, that's good advice, too. So don't necessarily need to rely on your pediatrician's office. You can use the community centers and wherever else it's being offered to do it as well. Absolutely. I found my own kids were going to get vaccinated at their school. And so I was going to wait for that because it was easy and the school was setting it up. And then I got an email about a week and a half before then from the local pharmacy saying vaccines available for 12 and up. And when I went online, I could get them a vaccine a whole week or so before, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I just the sooner the better. Thank you to Dr. Carlo, Dr. Fusa, and Dr. Dong for sharing your insights with us today. For more on evaluating your risk of COVID with your summer activities, visit thehealthnexus.org. You'll also find articles on coping with social anxiety as COVID restrictions are lifted. Be sure to subscribe to the Health Nexus podcast so you never miss an episode. Production support for today's episode is provided by Dan Bernstein. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for listening.